0: Hello everyone and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is September the 20th of 2018 and things have been a little bit weird and busy in my life recently and I kind of needed a very relaxing week on Weekly Manga Recap but the gods of manga decided no, there's going to be some weird stuff this week. But that's okay. It's just more distraction from the very boring monotony of my life. So let's I'm, I'm, I'm set for this. There's going to be Chris, there is, there's a guy, there is a freaking fist of the North Star joke in this in this week, and I I was not expecting it, and um, yes, I I'm I'm very I'm just so fatigued over the course of the, of the week because we've been busy and I've been busy. And I want to take a nap.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, guys, no Weekly Mug recap today. This episode you're listening to is actually going to be an hour and a half of Nick sleeping from here. Yeah. (laughs) Just in the
0: background. (laughs) Chris, we've shared a room together. You know what I sound like when I sleep.
1: (laughs) I don't remember that. Come on.
0: Remember, it doesn't go back five years or whatever it was. No,
1: I all I remember is that I talk about cookie parties in my sleep and <laughs> <laughs> odd things like that.
0: I, I I definitely didn't hear that one. That might have been something that Paul said, but
1: whatever. no, it was yeah, it was. Uh, so you we were staying at Paul's place. I don't think you were there, but I thought the story got around to everyone that like it was like ten o'clock, so it was like the other guys were already up and I was still sleeping. <laughs> And, like, rolled open, I was like, mm, cookie parties. <laughs> Bob's like, What? Wake
0: <laughs> up! <laughs> I don't remember that No, but that sounds like something that you would do. <laughs> oh, bye. Uh, I don't have a good transition to get into this. Do you have a tangent you want to go on besides that? Because so I'm just going to jump into uh, this otherwise. I, I don't really have a tangent. we got
1: so many no. series
0: this week. There's, Let's there's just no do time it. For tangents We've right got there. two jump starts to talk about this week. So we're just going to hit. I, you know
1: th- what that reminds me of? I, I remember also not having time in the past. It was <laughs> third grade. My teacher, her name was Miss <laughs> McClalkowitz. She was originally Miss Much, but she got married halfway through the year. So we had to change her name to McClalkowitz. Anyway, that's not important. She was dead by the time this part of the story happened, but... <laughs> right.
0: part, of that sound, part of that sounded familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Re- recap portion of Weekly Manga Recap. It's My Hero Academia to start things off with. And there's a very weird moment of just, like, quiet, disappointed-in-self self-reflection that goes on at the start of this chapter. Because last week, Chris... The first uh, skirmish test between classes one A and one B finished up. One A was victorious, so we get Aizawa asking uh, the members of his team, "What do you guys, you know, what did you guys learn?" And most of them are, you know, very hard on themselves. Kirishima is just like, "I'm completely worthless in a fight unless they are actually willing to directly engage me." So you says that she's disappointed in, her, in herself because she wanted to basically just win without losing a single team member. Koda says that he needs to be able to actually give specific instruction to insects. And then Kaminari just like, I was awesome. <laughs> Apparently he's in his, I use too much electricity, so I'm goofy mood. That's what Jiro says, but I don't know if he was that way at the end of the last chapter. I don't know. I might have just overlooked it. He does kind of do his yay thing later on, but whatever. Uh, And Shinzo just says that he's frustrated because he couldn't actually put all of the stuff that he'd learned into use. Uh, But Aizawa encourages him a little bit and says, hey, no one's a pro to start off with, and it took me six years to master the binding cloth. You're just a rookie. Don't worry about it. Um, But he also has something to say to each of the uh, four members of Class 1A, uh, and Kamenari is just like, your early game was awful. Does it mean... Do you have to lose allies in order to actually get good? Wow. Well.
1: I mean, it, it's a true thing, though. You know, in some things, you need that kick in the butt to actually start mm-hmm. playing, you know?
0: So, the rest of them, you just like, okay, for the most part, you know what's going on. So, you know, so you channel that energy, basically. Uh, Monoma uh, of Class 1B... Uh, It was a really impressive Shinzo, and he's like, let's try and win our match later. Um, Vlad King, 1B's teacher, uh, basically pinpoints the problem that 1B had, uh, their team had in the match, which was like, you guys didn't actually know who was the leader, and your teamwork was kind of a mess as a result. Um, so they're like, okay, okay. And, uh, all of the other members of Class 1A kind of take a cue from this and they're like, oh, we should start like playing our strategies right now. while well, we've got time ahead of the battle. And then we get the second match right away. And uh, this chapter pretty much confirms like we're probably just going to see five matches like in, in almost full um, because what the most important person on this team is Yairozu, I think. So
1: Yairozu, Tokoyami to a certain extent. There's been some teases that Tokoyami is going to be a pretty significant character in some ways. Like, he certainly had a lot of build-up in in moments, so I wouldn't be shocked if if Tokuyami, especially based off this chapter, plays a major Mm -hmm. role in this. Whether it's, you know, being a major piece of their quick defeat or victory. (laughs) Though I imagine defeat, just based off Mm -hmm. the logic of trying to build suspense. Although I I was thinking about that, I was like, is this the kind of fight where it goes down to two-on-two? and Because they're gonna do all five matches no matter what, and they did not stated that there's any, like, a, like, reward for the the side that wins besides bragging rights. So it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, Mm -hmm. Class 1A could just win all five, and it's like, yeah, we did it, guys. (laughs) Like, there's no real need to get tense towards the end of it.
0: Right. It's not like there are actually stakes in this. It's really just, like, we're going to see uh, how each of them fares against the other. Yeah. So. And it's all going towards, you know, like, Shinso Shinso and Deku's rematch is, is the fifth one. So... Uh, we get a conversation as the two teams are sitting off because it's, uh, what, Yairozu, uh, what's her face, Hagakure, uh, Ayama and Tokuyami for Class 1A, and then we've already seen, you know, a good amount of stuff from Kent, from Kendo on, uh, Class 1B's side, and she's accompanied by, like, the Mushroom Girl, the guy with, with manga panels for, and sound effects for a face, and the completely black-skinned dude. Uh, who we get to know a bit more of in this chapter. What's his name? Kuroiro. Okay. So Kendo is talking with Yairozu as they set up and they're like, you know, we often get like thrown into the same box together, basically. People tend to, you know, think of us basically as a duo. And it makes sense. They were uh, both taken on as, uh, as, what was her name? The snake hero, whatever. They were both part of the same hero co- uh, mentorship program. In- internship course. Um, and so, and there, there are a lot of similarities between them in the class. You know, they're both the presidents of their respective groups, beautiful girls that are also very intelligent and get along with everyone. Um, and I like that, you know, they're kind of aware of this and Kendo is like, so that really actually encouraged me to want to try and outdo you. Uh, then (laughs) the fucking highlight of the chapter comes because Kuroyo is like, Tokoyami, you're like me. And, and is like, Your black clerk allows you to meld with the darkness and move within it. And Kuroyo is like, We are connected by fate. And Tokoyami says, Ah, another who communes with the
1: abyss. <laughs> Fucking nerds, man. <laughs> and Kuroyo
0: is like, You're a fellow resident of perpetual darkness. They gotta get together and fucking compare their action figure collections to each other. Some right, dark poetry against one another. <laughs> they form a band together, but neither of them can play uh, instruments. Well, Tokiami can, but they, <laughs> but they just like keep on talking about what they're going to name their band, and they never actually make any music together. <laughs> uh, Kendo gets talked up a bit over in Class One B side because you know the people who are just the peanuts gallery are talking and Tetsu 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 uh, says, Oh yeah. Kendo's great. She's, you know, smart. She makes uh, great decisions. She pulls the whole team together and without her, we'd all been sucked into Minoma's orbit by now. And Minoma like, Hey, so, um, so there you go. The two people who will probably be important in this match for that side. Um, and the match begins from there. Tokoyami sends out dark shadow, uh, and at first they're like, oh, he's sending it out to scout for us. And he's like, no, nope, I'm going to attack you all. Uh, but career just says, all right, well, I'll be back. Uh, and we cut over to class one, a side of the battlefield. Tokiyami is, you know, kind of reporting what's going on. Uh, as I guess, dark shadow psychically speaks to him. Uh, and then he hears like, ah, uh, they got me. Uh, and, then to- Dark Shadow starts to come back towards them, and they're like, oh, oh, okay, it's coming back to report to us, but Tokiyami realizes, like, no, um, no, because it punches him in the fucking gut, uh, because Kuroiro took control of it with his quirk, Black which allows him to meld with anything that is black. Also, he can actually manipulate the object that he melds with as long as it's something that he would be able to to move normally. So it's not like he can, you know, dive into a black building and com- freely control it, but that makes sense. You know, it's like okay, well, it's it's like psychic connection over some over the things you would normally be able to handle.
1: Mm.
0: Uh so Batman would be in trouble. Batman will be in a bit of trouble because he was be like, Alright, I'm, I'm gonna take you down. Oh no, no! Oh no! Oh no! My capes dropped her on my face! Ah. <laughs> oh no! He pulled my underwear down! No! Uh, Tokoyami says that he is going to basically square off against Kurohiro and uh, says that he will use the technique that Hawks helped him create, Black Fallen Angel, as he whips off his cloak. Uh, that's the end of the chapter so there's not a whole lot that happens in this chapter itself but I do really like just the implication of like okay this wasn't just you know we wanted to see what Shinzo could do and that was the entire purpose of this entire little mini arc but no we're going to get a little bit of from everyone it seems like it's nice to get that confirmation look forward to everything
1: I'll be honest because of Sadistic September and Reinflame inflame I was really looking forward to it being the exact opposite of what you just said. Where it was like, we're just going to focus on that Shinzo thing and then we're done and then moving on. I am so fucking tired of fights right now from this series. But I won't try to hold out against uh, my hero. Uh, I can dig this.
0: How, how, hor- how dare Horikoshi... Do a tournament arc
1: <laughs> while I'm reading this tw- 12 year old plus
0: series,
1: uh, 20 year plus, sorry, rather. Uh, I-, I do like that there's the uh, black fallen angel, which is such a very tokoyami like phrase for this, so mm. it's kind of interesting. I-, I think he's probably the only character in this fight though that i really have any vested interest in seeing kind of what happens to him this is definitely like the like jobber group in my mind where i'm like yeah i don't think any character in here oh come on
0: aoyama's a great fighter yeah
1: well it's not that they're not great fighters but more that none of these are really that significant of characters that i'm like but
0: hagakure is the spy chris yeah
1: at this point i've slowly stopped caring about the spy all
0: right
1: yeah that's that's all my thoughts really
0: Okay. Uh from there let's move on to Food Wars: Shokugeki no Soma. This chapter has almost nothing to do with the previous one. Remember how like Erina got kidnapped at the end of the previous chapter? Fuck. I I
1: legitimately 100% as we said to Food Wars. It's like did I read Food Wars this week? I don't remember it's, anything it's, happening. They definitely didn't, I don't remember seeing any more of those guys from last week. <laughs>
0: It's a, a, a basically completely inconsequential chapter in the grand scheme of things because it's showing like, oh, Soma's group, they're determined to win the to pass the test. Like, OK, yeah. I mean, I always figured that they were going to pass.
1: <laughs> well, they, they they really hammer it in on like, wow, it's such a tough challenge. And like Akumi has like this whole fucking thing where she's like this. This test is unfair to you guys. It's It's ridiculous. They put this pressure on you. But then, like, there's the big turn of... I guess we're not even really... We're just recapping it in our thoughts. Where chapter like,
0: 279, <laughs> signal to the counterattack. So this is what's happening in the chapter, as we now resume summarizing the chapter. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: and, and she like they just have this big speech of, like, no, well, this is what every generation has done, you know? They always get a super tough challenge, and they do it. And on one hand, it's like, okay, cool. You're reinforcing the idea that the council is this, this very important kind of prestigious thing to earn, that once you get it... It really kind of almost says enough for you. Like, yeah, this is a tough challenge, but I'm in the council. We get these tough challenges because we're yeah. capable of doing it. Like, this
0: that's... is the this is what's expected of me. Yeah, so I, sh- I. It's not like this is unfair. It's I can't betray the expectations that people have of me.
1: And it's sort of weird having it undercut by like Akumi being like, "This is ridiculous." I'm like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to the manager or something like that." I'm like kind of got it like they sort of established early on they're like yeah it's a tough challenge but they're like yeah so did like the same class last year had to do a similarly tough challenge when this situation came up mm-hmm. so i mean it does go a-, a decent way to explain like hey you know all the members of the council are doing things there's even a shot where uh fucking alice is doing welding and i'm glad that they had the the foresight to be like all right well, she'll put on clothes for that as opposed to everything else they've decided to do in their swimsuits. Like, I guess I can't have her weld in a bikini. That feels dangerous. That would be a
0: bit. I mean, as it is, they are already using power tools and moving lumber. And that's not the kind of thing that you should be doing while wearing Speedos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, only hey, and he's the curl keeper's is not even wearing a Speedo this week. He's He's wearing trunks.
0: Also, I think, that to, I think that Takumi is surprised to see Alice doing welding or something like that. He's like, she's doing work?
1: <laughs> Last time you were sweeping the floor for seven
0: hours straight. I can't tell if he's surprised to see her doing that or the way that she's wearing the wielding, welding mask, which is not wearing it, but holding it up on a little handle. Close enough. I don't know. The only other thing that I really took note of during the course of this chapter, besides someone's whole big speech about how they've got to do this, is that there's just some asshole (laughs) who's standing there like, we're going to defeat the council this way since they won't, since we can't beat them in a Shokugeki, we'll make sure they don't get any customers to get expelled and then take their seats. It's like, who are you?
1: (laughs) They give a whole explanation. They're like, yeah, it's this guy who's been challenging them for months and he keeps fucking it up
0: like do you understand there are only like six of them or something that are taking the, the test uh, at, in, this, in this year there are p- other people in the Polaris dorm who would replace them <laughs> okay um, the third and final day of the test arrives and uh, the council group still hasn't actually opened up shop before then they've got to make up all of their uh, sales quota in a single day uh, and they open these things up, and they're like, "Oh my god, it looks like a piece of shit on the inside." But look at that awesome kitchen they've got there! And they've got three cooktops arranged in a triangle, and and Takumi and Kurokiba and Soma are going to like all be cooking at different tables in order to produce a lot of food really quickly. I guess that's it.
1: I guess maybe they're also going to be trying to like inter like compete with one another or something like that. Like. Like, I, they're like, yeah, we gotta have these three in there because they have the most practical experience, but I assume maybe there's gonna be some element of competition between them or something like that. I
0: maybe. I don't know. It feels a little bit weird that you've got Soma and Kurokiba there, but not Hayama.
1: Yeah, well, I was like, w- I guess it makes sense. Hayama never worked at a restaurant, per se.
0: Mm. So... I Tuk- guess that's Takumi
1: specifically worked at a family restaurant. Uh... And I guess Alice never did, Megumi never did, Megumi rather, and uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense for why it's those three there. They I'm have just to, observing. They had to serve food quickly, I guess.
0: I'm just you know kind of used to seeing uh, certain like groupings of the six council members. Like you know Hayama, Kurakiba, and Alice tend to be grouped together. Megami and Takumi and some were grouped together during the uh, the team competition. And then before that there's the fall classic where it was Kurokiba Soma and Hayama were the finalists, but whatever. Uh okay. So that's it, yeah. That was Shokyaki no Soma. Like it had no connection to the previous chapter. It was actually like really weird. Uh let's move on to Eden Zero, Chris.
1: Yeah, Eden Zero, uh chapter Chapter Twelve: The Skull Fairy, and this is a very strange, kind of gross chapter. <laughs> it's a
0: lot of kind of gross.
1: A lot of hero weirdness to it. Uh, so let's 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 jump into it. So last time, the the evil spaceship was pulling them in, and it's Elsie, the Elsie Crimson, whatever the fuck her name is, Schmarlet, uh, Schmerza, whatever we're calling her. And they're getting pulled in by, like, the, uh, the, the the tether ray, whatever you call those. The, um... What's the name for those? Tractor, Tractor beam. beam. There you go. Uh, it's pulling them in, and they get, like, a message from, from Elsie, who takes over their entire control system. And, uh, she's like, yes, I'm, uh, very impressed that you made it through that barrier. You're, you must have a skilled captain, but he also must be an idiot to have gotten caught into our trap so easily. Uh, and cheeky asks, like, what do you want? They're like, oh, well, we're gonna plunder you, of course. Uh, you all belong to me now. We're going to specifically, like, tether you guys all the way over to the planet Gilst, where you are to be sold. So, you're going to be Yay. human trafficked. They note that there's specifically, uh, an eccentric old geezer who loves kids just like you, especially the girl. Uh... Weiss immediately tries to defect ships, which
0: I'm very, <laughs> I very pleased with. He's a shithead who's be like, I don't like these people! Can I join you instead? I do like that she said, how could you possibly betray your friends like this? And Weiss is just like, I'm not your friend, what are you talking about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> then Rebecca has a video, a oh visual God. of her being, like, forced to film videos of herself. It, it, it's weird kink shit, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, Shiki counterproposes by saying I'm gonna plunder your ship then and everyone's shocked what a crazy suggestion uh and uh she says alright fine you know I'll tell you exactly where to reach me go here 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 and that's where you'll find me boop and then she turns off the TV uh did I, did I, I think I skipped over the scene too, where Pino was like, "Rebecca, your bladder is at maximum <laughs> fucking tension. It's gonna, exp- you're gonna piss yourself any minute." Uh so Wise, having been turned down in his immediate offer to try to betray the group, is like, "I guess I'll stay with you guys <laughs>
0: since oh, well, the alternative said, no, is I slavery." Guess, I guess we're good friends again now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, although he jokes that when he uh, when he succeeds, he'll make her his prisoner, and then she's gonna get punished. He
0: he he. So that's like four now that we're on weird instances of yeah.
1: Of, of fetishy stuff. Yeah. So Shiki boards a ship, and this is kind of an interesting twist that we didn't see. Uh, the ship's covered in this weird biotic life, but like pustules, sort of like vines and tendrils and all this sort of stuff that just covers the ship. Like it's still... You can see a man-made ship, but it looks like something has kind of almost infected it and left a layer over top of it. And mm. Shiki's like, whoa, what's going on here? And he also makes joke. Sure he's like, this ship's, the core is really lame. But then he starts getting attacked by tentacles. And there are a bunch of them. All the people who show up have these weird tentacle arms and they attack him. He's like, space octopuses, awesome! And he beats him <laughs> up. He's like, space is awesome! <laughs> then we catch Rebecca and she's being tentacle fondled uh pino even no never mind that that didn't i thought that was another one that was like she's like oh these tentacles are very erotic <laughs> Man, i was just adding that into my own head i was like i'm surprised hero didn't go there
0: uh mimetic, she refers to them as the mimetic parasite okay. copycat s4 so
1: okay copycat fair enough So Y sees that Rebecca is being taken and controlled by all these tendrils, and he's like, oh, wow, this is pretty picturesque. He's like, maybe if I lift up a little skin, he starts lifting up her shirt while she's, like, being restrained. And you're like, what? What is... Like, I know that the the mood in this scene is supposed to be comedic to us, the readers, but for her, it isn't. (laughs) It's just a weird thing for him to go to that level. But thankfully, it is immediately responded to by the tentacle monsters, then grabbing him and pulling him away. Uh, Rebecca's not happy about being put into all these erotic fashions, as she so deliberately states. And uh, gets happy, turns him into the guns, blasts everyone away. I forget that she's British until these moments where she calls people "ducky." Ducky. Saves everybody. Goes to save Wise, makes the same joke about lifting up his shirt and like, oh, expose a little skin. Uh, and then we cut away to Shiki, who shows up in Elsie's uh, chamber, and she says, my name is Elsie Crimson, man who will surpass the Demon King. I have been waiting for you. And, uh, her face isn't like the beautiful Urza Scarlet face, it's the robot skull face. Ooh. So she's a robot, or this is a robot duplicate of her,
0: or she's a robot zombie. Let's be, let's be real, Chris. She equipped her death face armor. That's <sighs> what happened. I'll be so angry if that's the case. And
1: <laughs> we have to deal with it again.
0: Um. Yeah, well. So, yeah, there were like it, it wasn't that there was weird fetishy service in this chapter. It's that it kept on happening insistently. And each time that it happened, it's like it got a little bit worse by just just by repetition, honestly. And it's so weird to see characters when they're in a bit weird situation be like, oh, hey, you're looking like you're in a bad in a bad spot. Maybe we lift up your shirt. Oh, little...
1: yeah. It's or... like a weirdly gross thing for like, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. Like he's a bit of a like a sleaze. But like it's to a point where I'm like I like it everyone's gonna ignore this. He's gonna become friends with the rest of the group and they're always gonna be like best buddies from here on forward. Like I, I get that impression. And like it's always weird that there was a scene where it was just like, I know you're being like restrained and like violated by tentacles, but I thought I'd make your situation even more uncomfortable by lifting up your shirt and threatening to take pictures. Like what the fuck dude.
0: And the fact that they very specifically, like they don't just leave it at, you know, Elsie saying, you know, Oh, there's a guy who happens to like young girls like you. It's like, Ugh. but then Elsie, uh, rather Rebecca actually just imagines being a fucking Slave in you know, a fucking slave Leia situation with this weird old fat guy holding her on a leash and then demanding that she t- do naked videos. It's, like, it's so weird and so specific, and it you know, it is just for the sake of just being weirdly perverted.
1: It's one of those things, so like, this is like it, the thing is that it's such a common theme. Of hero stuff. That it stops even like. It's just because of those things. I'm like I'm fucking. Because this happened all the time in fairy tale. It was like that one thing I always remember. Where Urza was fighting Evergreen. And Evergreen looked like she had the upper hand. And she's like get naked and prostrate yourself before me. And you're like why would she request this? This is such an odd weird way of doing this. That can't exist for any other reason. Than to be a kink. And that's what all these stuff is. like. It's just like. Why would Pino stop to be like, it looks like you're about to pee yourself out of fear. Like, is that... I don't know, is that supposed to be funny? Like, I don't know. It's it's just very gross. It's, like, the side of Hero's work that's always just kind of odd. Like, I wish you'd just draw porn. Because I wouldn't have this complaint if it were just porn. Or, like, super fucking etchy shit. I'd be like, that's fine. That's what this is. But... When you frame it as, like, this is our space fantasy story, and you're like, here's some, like, tentacles. adventure yeah. and friendship. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I hope I don't get put into a slave bikini and <laughs> made to film videos on the internet. Like, I don't know. Just weird. Stupid chapter.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, he does it so often that it's no longer shocking. It's just gross. Mm. All right. <clears throat> Let's do our jump starts now, Chris. We're gonna start things off with David, Teenage Renaissance. So this was the weirder looking one of the two Joan stars that we got advertisements for because there's a guy who just looks basically identical to the statue of David, that you know Michelangelo's statue of David. Um, yeah, and here he is. It's about his life in not Love High School, but Louvre High School. I don't know if that's just a typo or if, that, or if that's a, del- a deliberate difference in naming it. David has a crush on Venus, as in the picture of Venus where, you know, she you know, comes in on the seashell. Yeah, that Venus. And David thinks that she's really cute and they have to do their the after school activities together. Um, and he's like, I can confess to her. Uh, but she says, like, hey. What do you normally do on your days off? And David's like, uh, I surf. And yes. Oh, well, would it be cool if you showed me some of your surfing? Oh, no, I'm injured. I can't do that. Uh, and then she's like, oh, that's a shame because we were going to go to the beach on our next day off. But I guess you can't join us. And he's like, oh, no, why did I lie? I could have seen Venus in her bathing suit. And then he, while he's feeling sad for himself, mannequin peas shows up. <laughs> that, you know, little baby statue that's holding its, you know, dick and peeing. That one. And he pees a lot and he, he pees on David's uniform and gets it all wet. So David has to take his clothes off and he looks just like the statue of David. He does the same pose and everything like that. There's the Captain Jump logos covering up everyone's dicks. Uh, and. He's like, I don't know what I can do. How sh- how could I possibly, you know, confess to Venus? And Mannequin B is like, listen, you're up against an impenetrable wall. And if you don't surpass that wall, Venus will never be yours. It'll be hard. It'll be painful. You'll want to run away. But you know what? A man's genitalia is on the front to break through the wall that stands in front of him. And David feels strength in his dick and says yes I understand now my eyes are open I'll become the ultimate man and then Venus is like oops I forgot something inside the classroom comes back in and sees David with his dick out and uh, he feels he's shocked and he falls backwards and they strike the pose of the creation of man um, then it there's a close-up of the Captain Jump sensor that censors his dick, uh, and Venus is like, you're awful, and runs off, and there's a bunch of jokes about just, like, using art references, or, like, this series is stupid. Like, I it is so dumb.
1: This series is mind-bogglingly stupid, and it's wonderful, and it's stupid mm-hmm. and awful, and I may love it. I can't tell so I, I it's such an odd premise so like it's somewhere when they told you the the synopsis they like it's a high schooler who looks like michelangelo's statue of david you're like okay <laughs> and then it it sets itself up as like okay so this would just be another one of those weird Comedy etchy series about a boy who's really horny because that's what this is. Like the car- like the first page is him trying to look up a girl's skirt because he really wants to see panties, and someone interrupts him, and he's angry because he's like, "I'm never gonna get to see panties now." <laughs> and it's so stupid with all the dumb art references in there. Venus de Milo, who shows up in her pose like as though she were covering up her crotch despite the fact she doesn't need to because she's fully clothed and then out of nowhere mannequin pieces there and you're like is there an entire contingent of school students who are statues at this school does everyone acknowledge it why is he wearing Jotaro's hat from fucking Jojo (laughs) none of this answered he starts peeing on him all to get all this work to get to this stupid joke, where he falls backwards into the creation of man pose, I, I don't know. Like, I'm impressed because it's so much work for so little payoff, and I'm, I'm someone enchanted by it. Like, part of me looks at this and I was like. I feel like this was an idea that, like, escaped time. That This was an idea someone pitched in, like, mid-2000s at the Adult Swim Block. They're like, hey, guys, what do we have for a show? Someone was like, how about a cop who's just a butt? They're like, we'll get to that one. Anyone else? They're like, how about a high school student who looks like the Michelangelo statue David? And we just make a bunch of shitty art jokes. They're like, well, we can do <laughs> one episode of that and then
0: nothing more because that premise has been in- ran." In- <laughs> In, in true Adult Swim fashion, honestly. <laughs> and
1: I feel like that's what this is. I feel like I don't want to read fucking Teenage Renaissance David next week because I don't know what it could do to get past this week. <laughs>
0: It's uh, the Black Mirror of, and, of Shonen Jump series yeah. now.
1: <laughs> I, I, I only want the one. Now, don't get me wrong. This is very stupid. I don't legitimately Next enjoy on this. Next week, Viz's
0: website they're going to advertise Teenage Renaissance David as the Black Mirror of Shonen Jump.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, "Ooh, can't wait to see what this is all." quoted weekly
0: manga recap. <laughs>
1: uh, I just, I, it's one of those things. that's become so bad. It's kind of good. Like it's just such a stupid premise that they were like it's not enough We're a dumb premise we're gonna add an extra layer of stupid on top of it to overpass this gimmick until we can get to our stupid gimmick shots of this series it really fucks with me that there's two statues at this place, too. Like, I really need to know how the lore of this world works. Are all of the, like, is there a huge contingent of statue people there? I thought maybe David was just the one. But he's actually apparently a statue because he breaks apart at one point.
0: I don't care. I don't
1: Are they beholden to the lore that the art possesses? Like, <laughs> is fucking, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, mannequin piss is he forced to always piss because that's what the statue does or does he just choose to and no one stops him
0: (laughs) and what does he tell people when they ask him (laughs) like does oh yeah I have to pee everywhere
1: (laughs) like does the student body or like the organization like the principals do they not have any sort of like qualms about the fact that this one student is clearly walking around the hallways naked peeing on people
0: like, Chris, Chris, you're, you're not on enough drugs to ask these questions right now. I could change that.
1: I could fix that real easily.
0: You could, but I'm not going to join you. All right. I'm just going to be like, no, it's still stupid, Chris. <laughs> Let's talk about another dumb series, honestly. It's called I'm From Japan. This, I think, is supposed to be basically like... um. Kitama's been missing from Jump for a little while now, and I think that this is kind of one of those things that they're trying to replace it with. It's certainly a comedy series, but there's just enough action in it that it could, I think, fulfill a series with that balance. Basically, this guy shows up at a school in Tokyo. He's from the Yamagata Prefecture, which is a much more rural area. And uh, he is determined to take his new school by storm and beat up anyone who stands in his path. Then this really weird red haired kid jumps up to him and he's like, where are you from? Tell me where you're from. Uh, And he proceeds to basically name every prefecture in all of Japan until he eventually guesses Yamagata and guy from Yamagata punches him in the fucking face. Uh, and is like, yes, I'm from there. God, go away. Uh, he then is like, and if you make fun of me for being from Yamagata, I'm going to punch you again. But the, but the guy's just like, oh, where in Yamagata are you? And he just like starts, he just turns his head and starts pointing at his face. He's like, point to it. Point, point to where you're from. And he's like, what are you doing? Stop that. Wait a minute. The profile of his face. Looks like an aerial picture of Yamagata. How would anyone ever make that connection? So he's like, I would be from where your nose is. Uh, uh. And so the guy introduces himself and says, I am a master of the Todofu Ken style, Japan Hinomoto. His name is Japan, apparently. His name is Japan, Chris. It's
1: hysterical. So. It'd be funnier if you were a statue.
0: <laughs> if it were a statue of a <laughs> running You're... up to people and going, Where in <laughs> Japan are you from?
1: And then forcing people to look at his face and be like, Where are you from on my face?
0: The, most, the best parts of both chapters the heart and jokes of one series, and the fact that one looks like the statue of David from the other. Uh,
1: Mex Rage in the chat asks Are there any Americans whose name is America? Yes, there are plenty of people whose name is America. Yeah. Uh, yeah. America Ferreira is uh, probably the most famous one. She was an actress, Ugly Betty, if you remember that show from probably like a decade or so back, right now. But
0: uh, so guy from Yamagata introduced himself to his class later because he's just run the fuck away from this guy at this point. And he introduces himself to the class as Tokyo Abiko, which I find it ironic that they make a big deal about locations and stuff in this series. And then he's introduced his name being Tokyo. Yeah, it's weird. He's Tokyo in Tokyo, but he's not from Tokyo. So he walks to his seat and there are people who are you're going, as he walks past and they're like, Hey, is Yamagata famous for its apples? No, it's tangerines. And then then as he's walking past, he's thinking to himself, Yamagata famous for its cherries. City city slickers don't know a goddamn thing. It's weird. But whatever. He's he's a prideful asshole from his hometown. He walks to the seat in the back row and he starts talking to this one guy. And he's like, who is the strongest dude in our grade? Because I'm going to beat him up and become king of the school or something like that. And the guy says, like, well, he hardly ever actually comes to class, but he's a martial artist who specializes in a certain fighting style. And here's where you can find him. And so he sets off, and he ends up fin- going to the place that uh, the guy told him to, which is the headquarters of the Todofu Ken Club. Oh, right. It's, it's that one place, that it's that one thing that the guy said that he was a master of. And, yeah, sure enough, Japan is there. And Japan's like... Hey, welcome. This is where we practitioners of the Metro Territorial pre-fisture fighting style are. Okay, I have to admit, when I saw the the pun pre-fisture, I actually laughed because it's so dumb. That's fair. So he introduces the whole concept of it, which is basically they... In his travels, he took inspiration from all of the various different prefectures and cities and and metropolises and stuff in all of Japan. And so he invented this martial arts style, which is based in using elements of things that each prefecture takes pride in. It is weaponizing hometown pride of all of the different places in Japan. Uh, Obviously, Akito doesn't really give a shit about any of this. He decides to leave and is like, this guy is a fucking geography otaku. He goes outside, and some random giant bald asshole suddenly punches him in the face. And, yeah. He, he's like, I am a proud city slicker, you dumb country bumpkin, and they get into a fight. And uh, Akito gets beat up, because there's a whole bunch of them there. He thinks he's going to get the shit out, knocked out of him until he dies. But then, fucking Japan shows up, and hits the guy with Literally a cherry pit. He spat a cherry pit at him, because remember, Yamagata is famous for its cherries, Chris. Yes.
1: As is known in here in the west,
0: the eastern uh, coast of the U.S. So Japan, uh, says, you know, you should never make fun of someone for, for their hometown. You know, the heart and soul of the Toto fuken style is love for your hometown, and when you love your hometown, you will never lose. And they're like, let's beat him up. And he unleashes an, one of the secret arts of the Yamagata pre elegant art, which is ondo dancing. Everyone is for, compelled to suddenly break into a fan dance because it's so powerful. It's not even a fan dance. It's like one of those conical hat things and they're dancing while holding them, whatever. So Japan um, does that. And then the guy keeps on fighting him. So he basically does this like Kamehameha attack. He channels a bunch of love for the location in Japan through his body and his shirt blows off as he unleashes the power of the most powerful of the strongest mountain peak in Yamagata prefecture in this giant, black dragon thing and uh, beats the guy and force him to like cough up blood and stuff. then he turns around to look at Akito and Akito sees that he has a giant scar in the shape of Japan all across his torso. For some reason. So Tokyo Akito is like ah this is my name and let me join that club of yours and they shake hands and that's the shit. So, both of our Jumpstarts were dumb this week, Chris. (laughs) Yes, they were very dumb series. This one was considerably more my speed, because I feel like there's a point to it, at least. And I hate gag manga, so.
1: I can't, I I feel like in 10 years, when we're thinking back on Jumpstarts, I'm going to be easily able to remember the Renaissance David Person one. But I'm never gonna remember the one where like, no, it's this guy you remember he fought with Japan prefectures and stuff. I'm like vaguely, but no.
0: I mean you're probably going to be right, but it would be really funny if you were wrong and this takes and this series takes off.
1: <laughs> Very well. I, I feel like this is a, a tough sell to America to put in the US jump where they're just like, guys, we're gonna they're gonna do all the Japan prefectures. <laughs> All the cultural significance of all the places you don't
0: know about. Well, Chris, it's
1: educational, then. Yeah, it's... that. Uh, oh, I'm too old to be learning things, Dick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't teach an old Chris yeah. new things. <laughs> so that does it for the Jump Starts this week. I don't think there's too much to write home about, and we can't even agree which one we like more. So, there you go. Chris... You've also, you say that you can never learn about the prefectures of Japan. What else can you never learn about?
1: I don't think I can learn about it a lot, Nick, because I don't know if you've heard, but we? We never learn. What? Oh. <laughs> that was the stinger for our uh, I Frankenstein-esque movie where at the end, after everything's happened, like some people say that learning is about a state of mind, but we? We never learn. Hey, looks over the distance and fucking credits roll. Is uh, let's say puddle of
0: mud plays over the, the credits. I can I never even saw that movie, so it's a bad one. Everyone has told me you know, not to bother, so it's pretty awful.
1: Uh hey. So uh, this chapter starts off with uh... just
0: when you thought that Eden Zero was going to be the most fetishy series of the week, Chris. Just when you thought, true.
1: So it starts off with Uega's mom saying, "Like, oh, uh, my boss, they they want to open they, they open a new shot and they they uh, they want like extra staff. I want to go, but you know, I I have another job to do." And Uega's like, "I'll do it then. Don't worry. I'll you know I'll manage my study and everything." So he cut over, and Uega's is in a big bunny costume, just like uh, not that long ago, and it's the same woman from before, the one who got him to wear that outfit when he was working at a lingerie stop. And uh, he even notes like, uh wh- what happened to the lingerie store? And she's <laughs> like, I passed it on so I could start something new! Why? Because I'm tired of lingerie! And she's very upbeat about this. So she's like, alright, you just hand out these flyers. And he's like, well, I guess it's going to be okay. She even fixed the zipper so I can take the helmet off anytime I need to. This time it's not going to go bad. Immediately, boss, your daughter has a fever again. I like how the person says again, as though they're aware of the fact that these are two instances connected by fate. I also took my staff with me when I left that store. (laughs) So she's like, I'll be there! And just books it. has gone. They're like, we need someone else! So, obviously they grab them. And this is a massage parlor. And he's like, I don't know why they're doing this. I have zero qualifications. Well, I just hope I'm with someone not too intimidating. And, uh, of course, it's Karasu at the start. And, uh, she's really sassing him at the start. She's like, uh, prioritize the lumbar area. Hurry up! You know, don't make me wait. What are you waiting around for? Uh, he's like, oh, man what am i gonna do and uh she's he's like I, I gotta do this for my family i'm sorry so the the one co-worker the one employee is like ah i better go check on the new guy and she goes in and kirasu is crying out in pleasure because this massage is not just good nick it is borderline orgasmic and i uh, like oh wow you you're really skilled do you, do you have experience he's like no Except for, you know, I give my parents shoulder rubs when they were stiff, and I'm I'm only proficient in the basic 14th Mernand uh, meridians. <laughs> she's just like, oh, so you know how this shit goes immediately. You're an expert.
0: <laughs> he's the one. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it feels nice to get praised once in my life. <laughs> There's a moment while he's explaining all of this where you can see Kirisu curling her toes, and she has apparently curled them so hard that, like, I think that her feet have switched legs.
1: Very possible. Uh, it cuts to the next. He's like, "Let me see who my next customers are." Of course, it's fucking Ogata for me now. And Ogata's like, "Yeah, I need someone to like help my shoulders because my back hurts for some reason. I don't know why." As <laughs> it's like a shot of her tits jutting outwards, and of course, he's fucking great at that too. She, she's she's you they're know, crying out. She's like, "Oh my god, I never knew it could feel this good," and. Then it's Hashi's turn, and she's like, uh, you better work on my shoulders, too, because my ample bosom also makes my back pretty sore as well. And he's like, all right, I'm not feeling anything. Though. She's like, oh, my God, that's such a relief.
0: He's like, I'm not really doing anything. OK.
1: Then he gets his next uh, customer. It's Konami, and she's here for a foot massage because she's on her feet all the time. So it makes sense. You know, she needs a foot massage. Uh, yeah, and it makes sense,
0: and this totally isn't an excuse to work a foot fetish at nope, all, no.
1: Nope, natural. This is all perfectly reasonable. Uh, it's one of the other maids, actually, is buying it for uh, Konami, because she wouldn't normally get this kind of thing. She's like, reflexology doesn't work on me. And then, wait wait, Rika just kind of touches her foot, she's like, whoop! <laughs> He's like, what, what's that? She's like, nothing. <laughs> and she can't stop but, like, having pretty loud react like very like stifled reactions to the fact that this is a really fucking good foot massage <laughs> and he's just like you know and your wig is there so he's like being really concerned he's like you know he works she works at her feet so often and you know i bet they this get isn't really doing anything sore. for
0: her i better do it harder <laughs> yeah he's like i'm gonna have
1: to put so much into it because she's not reacting at all and she's just covering her mouth and Eventually, he's like, "I'm gonna really go for it. I've never had anyone but my mom and dad take this much pressure before." <laughs> and eventually, she's tapping out, and she 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 grabs onto the helmet. <laughs> uh, the ankle
0: lock. The ankle lock.
1: The ankle- <laughs> he's got it locked in. Uh, cut to outside. <laughs> Where uh, Takamoto showed up. She's like, this must be that new massage place everyone's talking about. It opened today. I don't know how everyone's been talking about it. But everyone must be like, yeah, here's a dude who wears a bunny costume
0: who will work the shit out of you. People, people coming from far and wide. Like, he gives the most <laughs> orgasmic fucking massages. I have three more children after getting a, a hand rub from him. <laughs>
1: So, she opens the curtain, because I guess they just went straight past the receptionist into the loudest massage parlor
0: (laughs) This is the one that we want, (laughs) clearly.
1: And they enter in as uh, Konami has pulled off the mask and is squealing, I can't take it anymore, you win, have mercy. And Yuega's like, no, I'm gonna give you 120%. And the awkwardness happens. There's a whole thing where Konami's like, I'm out of here, this is weird. And I love the final page because after all this has happened, talk about it's like, I mean, yeah, I want the massage. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is, there could be this whole thing about you, Waga, you horn dog and everything like that. And she's like, wow, you're really good at this. This is really nice. <laughs> and I yeah, just you, love the you no shits of it.
0: You brought like three girls to orgasm by just like be by just like, you know, rubbing their extremities. So yeah, I want a goddamn hand massage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he's just like, ah oh, man, I didn't mean to. I just, you know, gotten a bit of a trip. She's like, Oh, okay. But uh you know, apparently that really hit the mark. Oh stop! Who
0: told you to stop massage? She's like,
1: Oh, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I do like that she also says, like, huh. So I guess it was like this with shine with Ri- and Fumino too. And she, and Yuga just says, how did you know? <laughs> ah, I see. So you did get this from them, too.
1: I do love that she just guessed. She's like, well, it's Yuga in a sexually compromising position. I guess he ran into every fucking person, every girl I know. Uh, yes, this this was a sexually kinky chapter, but honestly, it's so much stupid fun, I can't- Like, this is a series I expect it from, because that's what this is. It's a romantic comedy series. I expect that to kind of be part and parcel, so... I mean, it's silly, but fuck, it still made me laugh. You know, it achieved its purpose. Just like Uega, getting those massages, even though they were very sensual, unintentionally... Still got its job done. They still got their their shoulders mm-hmm. really stressed out
0: or unstressed. Yes. Worked out all the kinks. Mm-hmm.
1: And a couple more too.
0: Me. Hey, I will say that I th- that I had a lot more fun actually going through it for this than I did actually reading it but on, on my own. So.
1: All right, let's go into duck- that's what the point. You're reading it alone. This is when you have to worry about people looking over your shoulder and be like, "What are you looking at?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's innocent manga." Hey, you know, I'm just reading this story about this boy who looks like the Statue of David. Isn't that weird? I'm like, that little boy has his penis out. No! <laughs> it's just a statue! Why is he peeing on that <laughs> other statue boy? <laughs> it does, he does! I think! I don't know the entire lore about this series yet, but I think they're all just statues who have to do what they're, you know, what they were carved
0: into. Alright. Uh, let's move on to Dr. Stone, in which nothing important happens. Ah last time Ukiyo had a conversation with Senku and uh, basically said he had found out what secret project Senku was having Riho work on, which is reassembling people that Tsukasa had shattered so that they could hopefully be revived. Uh, and uh, so, he says at the beginning of this chapter, on one condition, I'll help you guys out uh, and join in, throw in with you. So, Gen is like, ah, on one condition, eh? Alright, you should put me on the line, Senku. Or negotiating deals is a mentalist's forte. And Sega just like, what do you want? <laughs> this completely over overrides him. Uh, and Yukio says, my one demand is that nobody dies. Uh, and Sega's like, huh, so, I don't really understand you, Yukio. Are you an idealist? Are you a nice guy? Or, and Yukio just says, nah, I'm just a coward. More than anything, I want to avoid a massacre between our camps. I was willing to overlook Sukasa's nasty statue-smashing habit. The statues are just things, not people. Not reviving them isn't actually murder. I use those rationalizations to fool myself. I know I'm just a hopeless coward, but the thing is, I can't bear to watch people die. He actually is, like, tearing up while he, sa- while he uh, says this.
1: It's like, I just really love statues. My dream is that one day we'll reach <laughs> a point where we'll, where we'll make manga again and they can make one a statue. The main
0: character
1: representation
0: finally for statues. I'm gonna be so glad when that jump starts gone. God damn it. <laughs> so, Seki's like, All right, well, you got a deal. I mean, I my goal was that there was not gonna be any bloodshed to begin with, so sure, we'll just have to change that hopefully to uh, definitely. Uh, so Ukio uh, is like, all right, good. Oh, by the way, actually, this confirms something here. Uh, when Hyoga returned after attacking your village, uh, he reported that his underlings were killed by your schemes. I can tell you now, I can tell now that you weren't to blame. It was Hyoga all along. Sukasa and Hyoga, though both are supremely strong, are fundamentally different creatures. I can't sit on the sidelines any longer. So, sooner or later, blood will flow between them. This is an interesting thing because then we get to see actually something happen between uh, uh, Sukasa and Hyoga at uh, Senku's grave. And Yoga's look poking around and he's thinking to himself, "This is this seems really suspicious. These footprints are really really neat. It's like someone swept the whole area clean and then left a fresh set to make it seem like there was a single grave visitor." Uh, and so he suspects like maybe there was some sort of gathering that was happening here a little while ago. Uh, Sukasa arrives then and he's holding something in his hand and Hyoga's like, oh, are you, did you hear the same stuff that I did? And Tsukasa says, no, no, no. I'm here to pay my respects to our dearly departed Yo. And uh, we get a flash, brief flashback of uh, some mook presenting Yo's uh, eye patch stone fragment thing to sukasa apparently it wasn't stuck to his face he was just wearing it for fashion i guess because he just like took it off really easily it seems like uh, and basically he faked his own death so that he could get away because of his failure. Uh, he didn't want to, you know, be tossed over the waterfall. He's just like, hey, you know, just just lie and say that I fell to my death while while pursuing Chrome. That way, I'm the only one who's responsible for letting Chrome escape. He can't punish you guys because I'll be gone. And that's actually pretty noble of him in a, in a, in its own way. So, mm. uh, so Sukasa says, says, you know, he has returned to the circle of life, and he names a whole bunch of other people as well. It says, may they rest in peace together? And Hyoga says. Goes on Yuki, who, who who were the, who are they? And Sukasa says, Oh, those are the names of the warriors who fell to poison gas during the assault on the village. And Hioga just goes All oh, right. You were there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you watched them die <laughs> I
1: do find it to be a very interesting thing and somewhat notable that in the same chapter that Senku makes this deal with Ukyo that's like hey, No deaths. Like That's not our goal. They didn't immediately reference the fact that, yeah, several characters have actually already died in this war, which was kind of interesting. Like, I I don't know if you can specifically say it's the Kingdom of Science's fault. Like, it's It's sort of a self-defense thing, (laughs) but it is still like, yeah, I mean, we did lead them to their deaths. We hope they wouldn't, but, like... They did run into it, essentially. It's like, it is interesting to see it addressed at least.
0: Well, Senku's plan was that they would just be stuck at the top of a tree. Uh, And Hyoga was just like, because one of them said, like, maybe it's safe. And Hyoga's like, well, why don't you go fucking test it? And he knocked them all off to their deaths. Yeah. um, But it is very interesting, you know, bringing attention to this, you know, that obviously sukasa has got some awful people working for him. So maybe not all of them are the most reliable and loyal. Uh, as well as bring up the point that their goal is to save all of humanity. so it's entirely possible that Sukasa may end up getting the magma treatment and actually end up after the end of all of this working together with uh, with Senku. And in order to accomplish that, you gotta have to see this little bit of humanity from him, this respect for life that he has, which uh, is consistent with the way that he treated Senku he Broke his neck, yes, but he also thought, like, I have to do this, and I regret that I have to do this. And he gave him every chance that there possibly was to back down so that they could avoid it. Uh, So he'll do it if he has to, but he doesn't like doing it, as opposed to Yoga, who's just like, What were their names again? Oh, right, I killed people. (laughs) Back over at the Village of Science... Uh, They have continued working on the Steam Gorilla, and it now has an armored turret, so they just have a fucking tank. And Senka's like, we have a paper tank now! Uh, And Gen says, can it actually shoot? We don't have gunpowder. And uh, Senka says, yep, it can can fire something. We've got this leather rupture disc thing. We zap the water inside it to make it bubble, and then it allows that to inflate, and it shoots out of the top... He explains how it works basically with a, with water pressure. Uh, and Chrome's like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. It even makes enough sense for, for me to understand, except that it'll only work once. And, but Senka says, yeah, well, I mean, we, we're only going to get one shot really anyway. So, um, basically they established that they're going to go off and, uh, Start the war, basically, uh, and uh, they're going to basically have to try and do it entirely with Shakanaw. Uh, and in order to do that, they're going to have him working with them, the toughest guy around. His crazy stamina is his cheat code. And uh, coming through the woods towards them, they see someone, and Kohaku kind of immediately knows. She actually says. You know, even though we've never met, I actually know who you are. And it's Taiju, of course. And Taiju and Senku, after all this time, are reunited. Taiju goes up to his friend, and he grabs him, and Senku ducks the hug. (laughs) (laughs) Very quickly, and just, like, I I don't even know how he managed to do that. He just kind of, like, bops him on the shoulder. is there as well, for some reason, but she's there. Uh. We cut back over to the grave visit, and uh, Sukasa says, well, the only thing that I can really do for you, yo, is bury the final piece of him in a grave shared by his comrades. He starts to dig it out, and, uh, oh, he found the cell phone. Bomp, womp. Uh He very impressively just kind of, like, yanks on it and rips the entire thing out of the ground in one go. Uh and then we cut over to the cave of miracles with the miracle fluid coming dripping out of it the tank shows up along with a bunch of different fighters from the kingdom of science and they burst in to attack and Gohaku commands everyone saying you know hey these 20 seconds could decide the very fate of humanity because they know that this is a sneak attack and the the, the basically threshold for panic and acting instinctively is limited to only about 20 seconds before people recover Uh, so they're it's a race against the clock more than anything as they start off this skirmish
1: i always like it when you could put a condition on something like this where now we sit here and we're like oh these 20 seconds are basically what decides what happens in these 20 seconds is going to be what determines what happens it's always a very interesting way to kind of put a twist on a a conflict as opposed to just being like who punches the other one until they can't get up sort of deal. So it's nice to have this extra layer onto it. I like having Taiju back and how he's like kind of leading the charge with his shield, how we have all of our characters kind of going in, like all the warriors we could see in different poses. You even see like the, I think it, I don't know if it's Jasper, the former chief. Uh, I can't tell exactly. I think it might be Jasper, but yeah, like all the, the like warriors lean at the front of the charge. Pretty cool.
0: And it's a, it's a really cool, uh, Uh, pose with the tank in the middle the action shot of it uh, firing its payload while everyone else rushes in good stuff and uh, like I said I really like the element of seeing that oh right Tsukasa's got a character he's not just like an asshole so okay Uh, moving on from there we are going over to the seven deadly sins
1: Yes. Uh, Seven Deadly Sins. This is going to be chapter 282. Galthor versus male. Uh, And as much as a versus can be, I'm trying to save your life. uh, Please accept it. (laughs) So last time uh, the new and improved king was able to defeat male and uh male was on a collision course to death the the commandments inside of him were going to go out of control and take him with him uh, and in that moment Gauther decided to dive into his mind to try to save his life so uh that's where we're at everyone else is going to watch from outside and we get the scene of Gauther approaching male who's like kind of sitting in these rolling fields and uh male explains like yeah this is where i would visit when i wanted to be alone When elizabeth found me here she would comfort me she was so kind. So, as my last act, I want to imprint this view into my heart and then quietly disappear. And Galther knows, like, yeah, it's not, it's not what Elizabeth would want, though. And he's like, I have no right to live. You know, I've, I've killed people. I tried to even kill Elizabeth. And and you should go because once I go, this world will go too. And if you're inside, you'll, you'll be gone. Um. And uh, you know, you know, uh, just like, no, I want to save you. It I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I, you know, I'm i I'm harboring impure dark powers inside of me. I've abandoned my friends and my faith. I'm despicable and loathsome. And then we start hearing these kind of echoing thoughts of that. Like, yeah, he's right. Get out, yeah. don't Be gone.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be like the shapeless forms of these commandments, these evil, sinister commandments. But yeah, they all sound like they're like, yeah, yeah, here, yeah. <laughs> like they're just just angry taxi drivers like yeah get out of here uh yeah you know they're they're fueling into male self-hatred on this so male kind of gives things like yeah first you give me this cruel fate and now you expect me to live in disgrace and i was like i want you to live and i want to apologize to you he's like then answer me this what's the real reason i was chosen and they explain, like, you said I was chosen to fulfill the equivalent role of Melodius on the demon side, but there were plenty of soldiers equal to him Elizabeth, Ludichel. So why choose me? Why is it? And uh, Gauthier explains, well, the one who chose you was actually my creator, Gauther. And if these are your memories, then you must remember my face. We we get this flashback to when Mayo was an angel walking through the field of battle, just eviscerating demons without even doing anything. Like He just has this sort of like aura of swords around him that's just shredded people. And he sees one last uh, demon, uh, a young woman crying, saying,
0: It's Gauther with boobs.
1: Yes, uh, saying, Gauther, I wish I could have seen him one last time. And he's like, what? Why does it look just like you? He says, that's not me. The name of the woman you killed was... Gralisa? Graliga? I can't tell if that's an S or a G from here. I think it's an S? Gralisa? Her name,
0: her name was girlther so.
1: <laughs> Yeah, he's like, anyway, that's the demon that I was based off of, and it was also gother's lover. And he thinks, why should I be the one to do this? Why? It's an unforgivable sin. Doesn't anyone understand how I feel? No, nobody ever could. Gauther's like, alright, well, I've done all I can, so... You gotta drive them out otherwise. And it's the whole thing of all the the commandments gathering around him saying like, you're gonna die. Yeah, we can have your body when you're dead, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, how foolish I was. The one who can't be forgiven is... And he shouts, get out! And shouts out all the commandments. They launch away from him. And everyone reacts as the light fades. And uh, there's this moment... Where Gauther is falling from the sky now. And who, who, Nick, should who? catch him? Who should catch him?
0: Oh my god, Superman!
1: Oh, <laughs> oh wow, holy shit, I didn't <laughs> expect this. Henry Cavill, man, <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you felt good to help me back into the role. No, it's male! Archangel male, though! So, he's back, he's saved from the commandments, and he saves Gauther's life at the end. And that's the chapter.
0: Purely white wings now, he's been purified of the sins and stuff. Yes, um, it was quite a shock, honestly, to, to, to getting this explanation like, OK, yeah, sure, whatever, fine. But seeing this moment is like, wow, that is literally just Gauther, but with boobs and hips and bat wings. Just, <laughs> you didn't do You didn't spend a whole lot of on the design phase there, did you, Gauther senior? What
1: I find weirder is like, you know, it's like Gauther obviously could not control how he's created I still think we have more questions about the original guy out there when he's like, I miscreate my puppet child to push forward my will. I'm gonna make him look like my ex girlfriend. <laughs> like it's kinda weird.
0: Yeah, um, but this was a pretty good chapter. Um nice to see everything go uh come together at the end. Um it feels like okay, good. I'm glad that they actually managed to save uh, mail in this way, because it felt like a pretty awful, you know, waste of time or an effort really more than anything, because they went through a lot in order to do this. And several members of their group, the less important ones, I I, I guess, uh, died in order to pull it off. So.
1: Yeah, I I, I like it. I'm. I think it's a very complicated thing, and I think we need to see some of the resolution of that next week, because as you mentioned, quite a few characters died in the, the, the entire struggle here. But I do, and this really has just turned to make what Gouther like his arc has, has really turned around, that Gouther put so much into trying to save Male. It's it's mm-hmm. a very admirable goal to have been like, I caused this problem and I want to save you because I want to apologize for what I was a part of. And it's it's a very yeah. admirable thing.
0: All right. And from there, we're going to head on to The Promised Neverland, Chapter 103, One More Move. Uh, so, we last time the kids showed up, uh, Emma and company showed back up at the base and said that they'd found it. They'd found the thing that they were looking for. And uh, we get an explanation from them. And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, the golden water was found in the third possible location. And the temple was found in the second. And uh, when they arrived at the temple, you know, we see that everyone in their cloaks and masks uh, used to disguise themselves and make themselves look like demons. They're like, yes, we did it. Uh, we get a lot of shots, actually, as they're doing it, uh, seeing you know the mask, but also in order to make sure you know who is actually saying what. It kind of is tr- partially transparent so that you can see through it it's be very Shield 21 kind of flashbacks whenever they would have the face masks, but then they would turn transparent so that you know, you could see their whole face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go exploring, uh, inside of it. Um, and we get a lot of shots. of them just kind of like walking around. They also see some other demons gathered around there. One's, uh, hunched on a wall and they're just going to like, oh, like, just shuffle past him quietly. And... Mm. Uh, they poke their heads inside of a, of a tower through some bars that are keeping them out. They can't get through them, but they do manage to see inside. And they see like this bizarre looking altar with a, a, a statue and some sort of book uh, items laid out in front of it. And of course, the symbol of the same symbol of the eye uh, that is associated with Kuvitidala. Uh Violet also finds a different altar. It's kind of one of those, like, you know, mummified monk kind of things, it looks like, with the way that uh, when this figure is posed. And they can't tell actually if it's a human or if it's a demon because it's just this white, featureless thing. Uh, Emma says that it reminds her of. Blah, 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 blah or at the very least the one that she saw in her vision. Um, she's even says like, yeah, not in the clothes, aren't the same, the size isn't the same, but just reminds me of him. So, uh, but of course you, despite the fact that they're finding all this stuff, they still haven't found any information about the symbols, the seven walls. They don't really know what the hell they're looking. They know what to look for, but Emma is on the ceiling of this, of this, uh, altar place, uh, is drawn in a way that it looks like day and night. It's the circular ceiling that has the sun on one half of it and a starry sky on the other. Uh, And they realize that they should go and check the ceilings of the other uh, towers uh, with altars inside of them that they were looking at before. And one of the towers has an image of golden water inside of it. And they're checking through them. Uh, They're like, oh, if you connect all of the ceiling paintings of the six towers of this temple, they actually get an idea of the entrance and how they can get inside of it. And so they report this to all the kids that they've met back up with in the present. And they're like, yay! And they've got two months now with all this information that they can actually manage to pull everything off. Uh, They can go to that place. And meet <laughs> uh, so, um, Hugo's like, all right, well now you know that stuff. Okay. Where is the entrance and how do you get to that place? Uh, and Emma pulls and in, reaches into a bag and pulls out a bottle of golden water. And she's like,
1: we peed in this. In <laughs> all day. of us took turns.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Emma. But before she can explain what's going on, suddenly uh, Pepe shows up and he's like, we're under attack. Uh, and an explosion uh, goes off at the entrance into the hideout. And it's uh, what was his name? Aaron, I think. Dark skinned tall glasses guy. He's uh, with a bunch of basically look like a uh, SWAT team members carrying guns. And he says, uh, I finally found them. This time we'll definitely dispose of them all. So nothing happens until a year and a half after the, after the flashback begins, and then everything happens all at once. Chris, there you go.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. I don't know. This is like kind of where I was with Promised Neverland a while back, where I was kind of just like tuning out of it. Mm-hmm. It's just like I just.
0: When they were in the yeah. woods, yeah,
1: yeah. It's just that same thing of like, all right, let's see what happens. Like, I feel like the Andrew stuff could have been built better. Like, they introduced him, and I was kind of intrigued, but then they time skipped away like a year and seven months or whatever, and I'm like, I don't know. It's just hard to find him the same threat when it's like, yeah, we've been avoiding him rather nimbly for seven, you know, almost two years now. Boom! Hey, hey, now, now he's found us. It's it's dangerous now. Like, I don't know.
0: You think that like um. Emma's like, oh my god, Phil betrayed us! That bitch! <laughs> that <puck> nugget." <laughs> Alright,
1: All right, let's move on to Black Clover, page 173 of the Battle for Clover Castle. I'm going to be 100% honest, I know I read this chapter, I'm not remembering any of it right now, so we're going to see what happens with this. Not so.
0: much actually <laughs> happens, honestly. So So
1: it opens with the king of the Clover Kingdom being really upset. He's like, what is the meaning of this, House of Vaud? I've been informed that your son who's committed acts of violence in my Magic Knight selection, Sam, which was to be a team competition! is suspected of being a rebel. (laughs) And uh, their family's (laughs) like, no, this this must be some mistake. Our kids can't possibly be this, you know... you must be wrong. He's like, well, mm. I can't have anybody who's a blood relative of mine marrying into a family that provokes rumors like that. Mm. Uh, and then there's a bunch of attacks happening. There's a bunch of uh, magical attacks reported. So the king screams, silence! You people doing something about that on your own! Uh, and they look outside. They're like, oh, hey, it's uh, the it's golden dawn. What are you guys doing here? Hey, <laughs> guys! <laughs> Why are
0: you all glowing? Why? Why do you all have pointy ears?
1: <laughs> it's kind of weird, isn't it? And it's like this dude stands around just long enough to pull in some exposition. He's like, what are you guys doing? Everyone knows these castles here, the house, the three great royal families behind us. No, no magic knight can enter without permission. So where are you guys the golden Dawn all standing around here uh, and uh, Langris or whatever the Lattery, I guess is his technical name right now. Uh, says, not my problem. And he scoops away a hole inside the wall and starts leading his troops inside. Uh, a bunch of people try to attack him, and the uh, the glasses girl bucks them aside with her compass magic.
0: Very, yeah. very specific compass magic. Because apparently, it, it's weird. <laughs> it seems to be a form of spatial magic as well, because. Uh, all of them uh, launch different attacks and she just like summons a bunch of compasses which kind of deflect them.
1: Why aren't they mirror magic? I don't understand what makes them Because compass.
0: Gauch has mirror magic and everyone's got to have a different form of magic Chris.
1: It's like but there's people have same types of magic. They've confi- No. Oh, all right.
0: No they don't.
1: <laughs> I mean Magda Swing has fire he just baseball no. themes it. I mean it's like fire fire all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're, they're like, all right, we're going to leave the rest for you. The the groups are going to head in. Uh, and Langris is like, then I'll just keep going straight ahead and gouge them all to death. And uh, we cut over to Findral, who's, who's talking with the enemy, And he's kind of like, all right, well, we've got to get there. Let's teleport there. So they teleport there. And there's a bunch of super intense mages there who turn and stare at them. just like, ooh. And it's pretty tense. But whoa! There's some insane magic! Who's that? Oh, right! It's Jack the Ripper! Who I always forget is a character. And he's not been elfified, so he's on the good guy's side. But he's wild and crazy. Like, uh... I wish there was a character in modern bat- Battle Shonen that I could compare him to. But I, I can't think of one who's the leader of Brigade who cares mostly about fighting and is wild and, and intense a, in his combat. And has a scar over his eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't think of one. But, uh, yeah, he's like, all right, well, this is what I call entertainment. I like slicing people up. And they're like,
0: our hero, Jack the Ripper. That is such a beautiful line to say out of context, in, just in general. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, Jack the Ripper Jack the Ripper will save us. <laughs> thank God Jack the Ripper arrived <laughs> and he oh, man! <laughs> all of these all of these prostitutes were going to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> Jack the Ripper can you save us? Verily is, He
1: rides by lopping the heads off of women in a row. <laughs>
0: Oh well, those weren't actually those weren't actually the ones that were attacking us. But thank you for doing that. As he does it to live
1: and learn from Crush Forty playing in the background, <laughs> and he's like, "Boo!" Like lands afterwards. He's like, "Am I too late?" And I'm like, "No, you aren't, Jack." Oh my god! Holy shit! The Crush Forty like Sonic the Hedgehog video game, where Jack the Ripper is another like late game hero character, is something I want so bad. Uh, anyway, they go inside. There's a dude with a bunch of like, sh- you know, shield magic essentially. Who's like, you can't cut this, and then he cuts it. <laughs> That's the <chat. laughs> I
0: Well, I actually want to pay a little bit of attention to this moment because okay. you kind of like uh, that is based. That is exactly what happens, and it is about as simple as you as you explain it. But the guy is like summoning this. Freaking diamond golem or something like that. Uh, and then he matches his mana to have the same properties as his magic. So it's like, you know, cutting it with a blade made of the same material. And that's why he's able to cut it th- through it so easily. But I actually want to pay particular attention to the pose that Jack strikes while he's doing this. Cause the guy's like, you will not be able to cut through my gut. And he's just like, ah, <laughs> Yeah. So happily slicing through it. If it had been, if he had been drawn just a little bit goofier, this would have been legitimately a really funny moment. And I instead it was just kind of unintentionally funny.
1: Yeah, but apparently uh he he there's nothing he can't cut because his his no. blades transform their property to match the magic they're cutting.
0: So at this point now with Jack the Ripper having shown up, we now know of Basically a captain from every brigade and what they're up to at this point. The only one that we don't know about is that one peacock's sleeping girl that was in the captain's meeting. She's like the only person who hasn't shown up uh, in all of this yet.
1: Oh, I thought that was real for some reason.
0: No, no, he's um, he's elfed. I remember that. Uh, he's the deer. Yeah. All right. Aqua I fer- deer. I
1: forget. There's so many fucking battalions and they're all lame. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, it was this chapter happened. Yeah, there there were a couple of chapters that just goes all right. That happened. So, uh, One Piece. Let's finish things up with that one. It's chapter nine hundred seventeen. Food, treasure, barge. Uh, before we uh can continue with the action that was going on with Luffy's group, we uh, cut over to where to what Otsuru is up to. Uh, things are really bad. In the town that she's in. Uh, People are starving. Uh, Children are crying because they're so hungry. Uh, More people, more kids keep going to the river to suppress their hunger and are getting poisoned. So people are rushing over to Otsuru to get more antidote for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we cut over to uh, the far end of Bakura town, which contains the paradise farm. All tons of food, uh, barrels and barrels of presumably wine or beer or something water might even be for that matter and the food is so good that it's twinkling chris the barrels are twinkling um then they are uh i guess farmers or something like that i don't know there are people who are off there's a guy who's like uh being paid some money, but it's only five pieces of silver. He's like, this is not, this isn't enough to even feed my family for a week. I can't even buy water with this. Uh, And the guy's like, no talking back, and just kicks him. We're then introduced to another Smile Fruit user. uh, Speed.
1: It's worth noting that she is a headliner, and she thus has a unique name. Uh, Everyone Mm -hmm. else has sort of just been their animal plus man, uh, but she Mm -hmm. is Speed, so... She's not just horse lady or whatever they'd call her. Otherwise,
0: I do kind of like the way that she's drawn because she is striking a pose like uh, just a tall woman would strike, you know, hand cocking on the hip and leaning a little bit into and stuff. But she's a centaur. So then there's a horse's body going out behind that. Also, when she smiles, she has terrifying teeth because she's horse. So she's got the horror uh a fire breaks out, has broken out because of the stuff going on uh in the town the you know buildings on the wholemans mansion's on fire and um the firefighting squad is very happy about this they're like yeah woo fire <laughs> I, it's like i think that they're like basically almost putting on an acrobatics act yeah, well, they're they, climbing they, the ladders and stuff. They claim
1: the fire. They don't put it out. They're like, this fire is ours. <laughs> I like it. They're very they're very excited about their job, love their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so Speed is wondering what the hell is going on, of course, at that point. And then we just cut over to the confrontation between Hold'em and Okiku, Luffy and Zoro. And, Zoro. and uh, not Okiku. There's Okiku. Yes. Otama is the girl. God, there's too many O names. I'm getting confused with all of them. So, uh, Otama is still stuck inside of uh, the lion's mouth, coming out of uh, of Holdem's stomach, and we're actually introduced to the lion.
1: Can I can I note something real quick, Nick? So something Gray Bob, in the chat just pointed out that all the headliners have card themes and are named after card games. I just now got Holdem. I was like, oh, lion. now it makes sense.
0: I've never heard of a game of a card game called Speed.
1: Just like a like one of those games that exists. There's thousands
0: of like different like regular playing card games. <laughs> so we're going to what you're saying is we're going to come across a character named Yu-Gi-Oh.
1: No, I think these are these, these are sticking with regular card game stuff. Oh, right lame,
0: <laughs> lame,
1: maybe, maybe. I mean, hey, Nick, is a character in Jump Force. <laughs>
0: Uh, lions, okay. So, we're introduced then to Hold'em's uh, stomach lion thing. His name is Kamijiro, and I like that his introductory box says Hold'em's tummy, Kamijiro. Nick, wait a minute. What is it, Chris? If
1: all of this group is named after card games... Yes, Chris. You know who might show up? Who? Jin. Sure. I mean, Jin, it makes the whole... I'm calling this now. If this happens, everybody goes back to this moment be like, wow, Rollo-T was so smart and cool. He's very handsome. I like him a lot. Look how right he was. Just
0: According to this, there is a headliner named Sheep's Head, and then there's X-Drake and Hawkins, so...
1: Hawkins has tarot cards and everything. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then there's X-Drake. <laughs> <laughs> he had his own gimmick. Uh, so, then, uh, yeah, Luffy's like, give back Otama, or I'm going to beat you up. And Holden's like, if you come here, then I'm going to crush her in my lion mouth. Um, and he's like, yeah, you can't, you can't do anything about this. I'm going to take you hostage, and I'm going to capture Shutenmaru in the bargain. And, of course, they have no connection with Shutamaro, tomorrow so he's you know, basically just expositing at them so yes we know the ones responsible for all the recent thefts from the farm are you people in the yatamayama thieves brigade and given that you defeat urashima you're going a fluke i expect you're one of his more important important henchmen uh so then <laughs> okika says lufitaro don't make him angry and Luffy's like, well, he already seems pretty angry. <laughs> we did wreck his mansion after all. Uh, but he's like, you know, it would be bad, you know, if you, if you if you do anything, you know, yeah. I mean, he's strong, of course, but the, what the townspeople truly fear is the man who stands behind him, the right hand man of the Animal Kingdom Pirates, Captain Kaido, a warrior named Jack the Drought, who sits in control of Curry, and. Zora and Luffy are like, wait a minute, that's the guy that, who attacked Zoe and then got his ship wrecked by the by the elephant thing. Uh, and Okika's like, huh? well, I mean, yes, he was wrecked at sea, but he's not dead. He arrived here several days ago. Well, there you go, Chris. <laughs> I think that we, we talked a little bit about that when he was introduced, like, ha, huh, I maybe he'll show up again. Well, here he is, so... Uh, Hold'em uh, is like, Stop talking amongst yourselves down there! Uh, and uh, he says, If you try and do anything, then I'm going to do this. And he just kind of like flexes and starts to crush Okiku in his lion jaws, which pisses off Luffy some more. Uh, Speed shows up with um, lots of food. They've got this. I don't know why it has a sail on it. Because they're it's like. A boat. Is it a boat? Because well, they, barge, like, but... they carry it away on a, they just drag it away with, never mind. So, um, Speed is there, and Luffy's like, oh my god, look at all that food! Uh, and Okika says, yeah, yeah, they, they there's a healthy farmist from a paradise farm, raised on pure clean water, which pisses off Luffy, because, of course, he's you know, like, well, so they're just hoarding it all for themselves, not getting it to the people who need it. Uh, so he's like, hey, Zoro, go get that stuff, and I'll get Tama. Uh, Okika's like, no, you're going to get everyone mad. And he's like, whatever. <laughs> uh, we cut out to the entrance to Buckra town. Hawkins is there. Uh, Law shows up wearing one of those basket mask things. Uh, that some samurai, you know, wear. Uh-huh. Um, and of course he doesn't want Basil to recognize him. Basil says very awkwardly, who is that? He's mighty which i think that is meant to, to suggest he seems mighty familiar but it seems like he but the way it's worded is also like he says like he's mighty whatever uh luffy wins <laughs> <laughs> he's too fast uh they go to kidnap okiku again And Luffy and Zoro immediately spring into action and move insanely quickly. Uh, One instant, uh, Hold'em seems to have the advantage, and then he looks down and realizes that Kamijiro has been punched and no longer has Otama in its mouth. Uh, Luffy is running away with her under his arm. Uh, Zoro cuts through a whole bunch of people, uh, sticks uh, Okiku uh, in the mouth of the Koma Inu that is allied with them, uh, has the barge on, attached to it and having it drag it away. And uh, they're running off with Otama and with the food. But and then... They got
1: away without having to cause any real big problem. Like They didn't have to no, start a fight or anything.
0: Nope, they just grabbed it and ran away. But then he looks, Luffy looks down at Otama and is like, Hey, what's, what's, what's with your cheeks? And she says, Oh, you know, he just tugged on them with pliers for a bit. But, you know, you can't pull out my millet dumplings that way. And Luffy's like, Liars.
1: I love that Luffy gets to have the reaction most of us had when that happened. Like,
0: Jesus, this seems really cruel. It's one of the more, more relatable moments from Luffy where he's like, Oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> and, uh, he just, I think that he, yeah, he just drops her in the middle of the air. <laughs> Not quite so relatable there in order to go back towards Hold'em and Hold'em is like, my lion belly can also spit fire. <laughs> and uh, proceeds to do that Otama says no big bro I'm fine you save me you don't have to do this uh, Luffy bursts through the fire which Otama thinks of course he's been burned to death and now he's fine goes straight through it and uses his red hawk to fucking punch fire into Hold'em's face uh, he doesn't look so good at the end of this no he does not Honestly it's a very satisfying moment though. It's a very yeah. simple setup and then like, oh, fuck you and then he fucks him up. So
1: What's nice is that it takes a little time. Like, this is something, like, I always like these moments. Like, there's always a kind of, like, famous one where Luffy finally punches the Celestial. Because, like, everyone's been sitting there and they, they they built it up over, like, months of being, like, nobody hunts, hits these people. Like, I know who they make you angry, but you have to take it. Because if you don't, you will get, obl- like, just fucking obliterated. And they did, honestly. Like, which is a cool kind of payoff to that. But it's nice, like, when there's moments happen where Luffy's like, fuck this guy in particular. Like, I'm not standing by and letting this happen. And this is something where they would do this in other series, like Fairy Tail, or not Fairy Tail, but Eden Zero rather recently did this when they were like, oh, Sabir, look how evil this guy is. He's so evil. And then they fucking knock him out like immediately. It's like, it's nice to get a couple weeks showing like a variety of stuff and like specific instances of it and then be like, oh, and then he just like come up and kind of deal. Mm. As like, a character's like, I fucking can't stand this guy anymore.
0: Uh,. Yeah, things it seems at this point like uh, chaos is going to start to really actually erupt, uh, considering that people have actually all seem to have gotten to where they were heading to, uh, with Law having arrived and confronting Hawkins, uh and, you know, Luffy punching this guy, while there are also some people there who can conceivably do something about it. Uh but yeah. Um we shall see where this goes now.
1: Yeah, I definitely dug it a lot. Um, super fun chapter. Uh, let's see what happens from here.
0: And that is going to do it, guys, for weekly manga recap. So we're going to wrap things up here. Chris, what are your favorites this week? MVP and favorite chapter?
1: Uh, I'm going to give my favorite chapter of the week to Teenage Renaissance. David. Now, I'm going to give it to. I think I'm going to give it to Seventh of the again. Um, mm. Trying to think what else would have really gotten it, um, and that's the one I think I had the strongest feeling towards.
0: Okay, uh, I'm going to give mine to Doctor Stone. Oh. Uh, fun chapter uh, that accomplished a lot of different things, character stuff, and also we have a tank now. So
1: that's true. Uh, I'm going to give my MVP then to Tokoyami. Like it's not like a super notable chapter for him, but it's just such a funny like. I love Tokoyami, and you know, I love getting more of him, basically, even though I think he's only really relevant as, like, an MVP for, like, two panels, but it's still like, ah, oh, they're fucking so great.
0: Uh, I think that I'm going to give mine to Kuro Iro, uh, on the other half of that, um, okay. because he's actually the one who got to show off his power effectively in this one. Um... And it's a it's a cool introduction to the ability. You know, he he goes inside of freaking Dark Shadow and turns it against tokiyami It's a it's a I, I think it's going to be a pretty memorable moment for a while. Uh, but that is going to do it then for us, guys. We want to thank you for joining us here on Weekly Manga Recap. We record the show live on Twitch.tv/reloty and Smashcast.tv/reloty Thursdays, starting around 7:30 Eastern Time. But sometimes we do need to change things up, and you can stay updated on that stuff by following us on social media. He is at RolloT, I am at NickFTime, and you can also follow the official podcast account at WMRPodcast, all those on Twitter. If you want to help us out, you can, uh, of course, become a Patreon subscriber. That allows us to create all sorts of fun bonus content for you guys to enjoy. We've been recording a bunch of stuff that we're going to be putting up uh, f- uh, from this week. Uh, bonus episodes, and we've done we did a commentary last week we we've been uh, very busy uh, getting all that content so we can get caught up and get it to you. Yep. Uh, if you want to check out our past episodes, we can we you, all that stuff is available on weeklymongerrecap.podbean.com. It's also on iTunes and on our YouTube channel. Be sure to do the likes and subscribes, comments, rating all that good stuff so that you can help us to ascend to the top of the hobby section, and dethrone the bastard woodworkers who torment us so at their reign of tyranny. Uh, or, you know,
1: you know what? I bet they don't talk about just, fucking statues that piss on each other, though.
0: Yeah, they can't get their woodwork to, to piss.
1: Yeah, Ooh. No, fucking yeah. roast it. Nick, roast alert.
0: Take yeah. that, woodworkers. That's an awful line, but okay. <laughs> uh, you hear that? Nick just works to wish death on you and your family. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> I've completely lost my train of thought. Special thanks to everyone who's helped us out with the show, including, of course, Infamous Planet and Steve, Manor, our tire artist. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything, and uh, I believe that uh, next, yeah, next week is the last week of Sadistic September, which means we're going to be talking about Flame of Reca next time, guys. So, yay!
1: Yeah, it's gonna be some fun times.
0: God damn it. All are, are, right. you, are you, 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 you going to make it, Chris? Are you going to be okay? Yeah,
1: you, I, I've actually made like a thing. Because for a while, I've been like, God, I really want to die. But I, I've made a strong statement, Nick. I want to live now, to spite reality, for making me want to die always. So that's that's me spitting in the face of you, reality. I'm not going to let you win. <laughs> I mean, eventually you will. The slow, creeping crawl of death comes for us all. But until then, I'm going to live the shit out of this in
0: protest. Good for you, Chris. All right. And on that note, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.